Time it is time again for another episode of Scary History. Yes, the podcast where we share spooky news and frightful views with each other and you about all things horror. That's right. It, it's episode one forty. <laughs> Which means a special, special guest. But first but. of all, before we get to him, uh, I am here today with Jeremy, the original Sasquatch, Slim Rusk, and you are Brandy Joe Planbeck, the flaming scream queen himself. Yes, I am. And but of course, the one who really matters today is our very, very, very special guest. The reason for the season. The reason for the season. <laughs> Mike McGettigan. Hi, Hi everyone. I should have saved the air horns for now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love a good air horn. Hi, Mike. Hi. It is so good to have you here. And your voice is like just the perfect. Po- it's the perfect voice Why, for anything. Thank you. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. I'll make sure to put my voice uh, in a comfortable position for everyone. <laughs> it's in such a great position. I love it. Mike, we have known each other forever, but I know, tell like everybody 300 years. Three, I think it's 302. <laughs> but please tell everyone who you are and what you do. What don't uh, my you name do is Mike, rather? My name is Mike McGettigan and I uh I work at the Planet Ant Theater in Hamtramck, Michigan. I'm in charge of the educational stuff over there as well as uh mentorship and development and all sorts of things. Uh, I do playwriting, uh I do live performance, I do comedy shows, I do all sorts of stuff. Uh, and I love uh, helping people create entertainment, and I love creating it myself. Oh, my God, you're so hot. <laughs> he's just hes just the best. He, you guys you are the really best. Are. Come on. You are. I mean, we have had many a good time together. We've done shows together. We've gone camping together. Yeah, we sure have. <laughs> and We've done if, a lot. if people aren't putting it together, Planet Ant is our podcast network home. Yeah, so it feels good to have somebody from the mothership here with us. Hell yes! <laughs> yeah, we were ten episodes in when there was the call out for like you know, hey, Planet Ant, we're putting together this podcast network. We know some people have some, and we hopped on that bandwagon, and it's just been a great ride. So yeah, for 130 episodes, we have been on the Planet Ant podcast network. That is fantastic. Is that crazy? Wow. Yeah, that really is. It's really great. That is so wild. I just I can't yeah. even. Believe it. It's just it's it's been fun the whole time. Yeah. So every Mike, single second, there has every been one single bad time. second. <laughs> <laughs> Except there have been a couple of times where I realized I recorded without my mic, like I recorded my computer oh. audio. And Mike, you know what I did? I listened to the episode and repeated all of my lines with my microphone, which is an absolute miserable thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> did, did, did anyone like figure it out? Or I, I it... like I like own up to it. Like in like the next episode, I'm like, if that last one sounded a little weird, it's because I'm trying to like you know, <laughs> it's like you're trying to impersonate yourself. Yeah, and it mm-hmm. is just the weirdest thing because obviously I mean, when you're podcasting, you're spontaneous. So he was laughing to... at my jokes. Oh and, like, my god, recording <laughs> to listen to is the worst. That's a real test of your acting ability, right there. I mean, it that's is. really uh, playing yourself as a character <laughs> with the lines that you created once yeah that's insane that's really so, amazing yeah, that happened twice and those two times were not fun 
But <laughs> aside from that, every second oh, yes, has been great. But yeah, it has been a long time coming for us to have you on. And yes, every 10 episodes, we like to have a special guest. Episode 50, we had um, our friends from Detroit Strange on, which was a blast. And, and now you're here. And we're just yeah. so glad. We're so excited. I'm so glad, too. This is fantastic. So, Mike, to kick us off, because we when we have a special, you know, decade and decade, well, every 10 episodes, it's <laughs> it, not a decade. It's a decade. Yeah, it's a decade. It's a decade. One episode a year. I didn't realize that. <laughs> podcasting years, every 10, whatever, every, um, I, I can't think of the right wordage for it. Every 10 episodes when we have our special guest on, we love to talk and just sort of pick your brain about horror and things along those lines. So, love like, it. my first question to you is, like, what is your horror aesthetic? Because I, from what I know of you, you do like horror movies, correct? Oh, yeah, like you're a absolutely, fan. absolutely. It's definitely one of my top things that I love. Uh, so what gets you off? Uh, what, what gets me off? Yeah. A lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I try to not limit it too much. Uh, well, I was thinking about this question. I think this is a fascinating question. Um, I really love horror that is super grounded. That's one one way that I really like to, uh, to get to get that stuff is that uh if it if it can be really believable in a weird way uh i just love that i love when a movie can pull off something like that like uh, i think that my favorite example of that is maybe the witch um mm. because mm. of how grounded and how realistic that movie felt to me it just felt plausible and it felt like the you know, no spoilers, but at the ending of the film, uh, even the leap that it takes there, uh, does thou wish to live life deliciously? I just love oh, that classic. line. And I yeah. just love the whole escalation of that and the and the actual grounded connectedness that feels authentic to that time period. Uh, just a, such a wild and fun movie to watch. But that's not the only kind of thing I love. I mean, I do love a really good horror comedy. Um I do love a really out there, crazy special effects feast, uh, depending on what kind of thing it is, too. Um, you know, so there's a lot of different styles that I love. But uh, I think that the thing that I really love the most when it comes to horror is, is stuff that's written well and uh, mm. and and really it, it really invests in its characters. Uh, you know, the characters aren't betrayed by dumb plot choices or leaps of logic. You know, they act like human beings would in a situation. Uh, and the filmmaker helps you know, make sure that that is the case. So that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. What I love in horror. Do you think a lot yeah. of that comes from you being a theater guy? Like the Maybe. whole like it, if it's written well and you know the good characters like that. Not that someone who isn't into theater can't also enjoy those things. <laughs> but like yeah. since you've done so much fucking theater, like you have been in the arts forever. Like yeah. how many? How many? Like were you acting in high school? Uh, well, I did. I started acting in high school, but it wasn't really till college that I really discovered that that's what I really wanted to do. And then uh, and then I took a side journey, got married, had a kid. And uh, then by when I was like 27 uh, is when I finally started like getting out into the world and going and doing shows and learning and taking classes and performing and writing and all that stuff so it kind of took me a really long time to get there i feel like and i feel like i missed a lot of stuff that a lot of other folks got but i think that's another thing that to me made me just really feel very grateful for being able to do this stuff uh because it took me so long to get there 
And uh, and yeah, is that related to my love of horror? I think I think it absolutely is. And I think that my tastes have evolved over the years to be more uh, in line with like the truth of characters and the, you know, the groundedness of situations and uh, to feel authenticity in those moments and to really look into the horror that uh, is in everyday life, too. You know, so I think oh, that's yeah. uh, it's definitely informed me. It's funny you say that, too, because I feel like I really connect to that journey there as well, because I actually went to I've been obsessed with movies forever. I went to college for film. My degree is in film production. But then life just kind of happens. And I feel like I've taken all these side journeys and have just yeah. now, like in more recent years, especially with this podcast, even have been able to really reconnect with the idea of being like, I am a creator. I can create things. Uh, and I love to do this and it feels good, but it's sometimes not every, I feel like the industry at large creative worlds tend to make you feel like if you're not doing it by your early twenties, it's never going to happen. Give oh, it yeah. up. But absolutely, you know, that is just not the case. So many people come into it later. So I think that's it's all those really, Nepo babies, you know, it's yeah, all those yeah, exactly. people that have unlimited money that yeah, they've kind of oh, ruined it for everybody yeah. else, but yeah, you can exactly. do it whenever you want. So I love to hear those kind of stories, but, and you guys, you know what they say? You're right where you need to be. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's true of every moment in your life. Yeah. And speaking of life and journeys, that leads me to one of my favorite questions to ask people, which yeah. is what is the first horror movie you remember seeing as a kid? So for me, this was an incredibly uh, memorable moment and a very traumatic for me as well. Uh, I was like, God, I was very young. Um, I must have been about four or five years old. And uh, I went to a birthday party for some friends uh, around the corner. Uh, you can see my niece is in the background. <laughs> yeah, I can see. I speaking of sure children, a ghost. I if see it was a child. Like the ghost and no, three men a, and a little baby. You know, this house had a lot of children die in it many years ago. <laughs> 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 oh that is funny <laughs> uh but anyway so i was like i was like four or five years old and uh i had some friends around the corner we grew up in detroit and um went to this like family party and they didn't you know they said oh we're gonna take the kids to see a movie and blah 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 blah. <laughs> they did not tell my mom what they were going to go take us to see uh it turned out to be this movie called mausoleum oh and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So, you know, the beginning of the film, it's all about this like psychic cult leader that dies in this horrific way and like takes <laughs> followers with him and all this stuff. And then these sorority girls are dared. Perfect movie for a four or five year old. <laughs> sorority <laughs> girls are dared to go to this mausoleum to spend the night where the, the one group of the sorority girls is going to prank the uh, one that's all alone. But of course, the psychic. Uh, it starts reanimating all of the corpses uh, along with himself, and they all wind up attacking uh, her as she's kind of like screaming her way through this mausoleum. And, you know, since then, I have watched this again. It's not a good film. It's no. really ridiculous. The poster's but, great. Man. I remember the poster very vividly from <laughs> what the was video the poster. Box. It was like like a like a sort of skeleton face, and I think like the mouth was like the doors. I want to say mausoleum, and it yes. had like hands reaching around and <laughs> oh, grabbing, yeah, yeah, yeah at the mausoleum. Yep. yep. Man, so you've rewatched my, it. Go on. Sorry, but my mom. Uh, after I got back from that, of course, I was just um, I I was so terrified during the film that I hid underneath the seat uh, in the theater. Uh, but at the same time, everyone was having such a good time and enjoying this. And these other kids that were my age were not affected by this at all. But somehow, it's just 
you know, I had never seen anything like this. It was like raw, pure electricity being just jabbed right into my brain. And I uh, was not able to sleep for like a, like two weeks after that. I was just obsessed with like being frightened of this thing every time I was going to bed and this, mm-hmm. these zombie creatures coming to life, which I had never even considered before. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. I cannot believe like I remember just watching bits of things here and there on TV, but not like literally going to see a horror movie in the theater like you're one of those little children that we like you know talk about the the people behind their backs like why do they bring their little kid to the movie exactly yeah exactly i have a fun fact about mausoleum too oh which is that it was produced uh it was a money laundering scheme for mob money the production of that movie yes wow (laughs) oh my god was that like a thing that happened a lot Yes. There's a few movies I know of that actually that were like that too. Yeah, absolutely. The original Texas Chainsaw Massacre allegedly had some illicit mob money like laundered through one of the production companies that helped make it. So, yep. That is fascinating. I would have never thought that that was a thing. Let's make some movies. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is an awesome story. So here's, I mean, I have a few favorite questions, but. If you're stranded in a desert island, in a yeah. desert island, on a desert island, <laughs> and you also on. put deserted island in the, in the question <laughs> thing too. <laughs> okay, so if you are trapped on an island or in a cabin in the woods, whatever, and there <laughs> happens to be a TV and a DVD player, but you can only bring three horror movies, and Just you don't three. know, you may be there for the rest of your life. Yeah, so they don't have to be your favorites, but like if you're gonna have just three, what are you gonna uh, bring? Man. Ah, I think, I think maybe, mm, God, I, you know, maybe it's a little basic. Uh, I'm going to have to go with, God, it's just so freaking hard to choose. Uh, How about American Werewolf in London? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The original Dawn of the Dead. Oh, yeah. And, oh, maybe Annihilation. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Is that the one with Natalie Portman? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've never seen that. Oh. Yeah, I've 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 seen parts of it, never the whole thing. Oh, well, maybe yeah. I found a movie. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and you know, I that's so funny, Dawn of the Dead. I was just talking about that today with Joe cuz I was watching one of those Mojo Watch Mojo things like the oh, yeah. like uh, t- top 10 horror sequels that like are amazing or something. Yeah. And Dawn of the Dead was on there. And Joe was like, do you like that one? And I was like, I honestly, it's been like, I haven't watched it in probably 20 years. And I, at the time, I wasn't really, I've watched many more zombie movies now yeah. than I had when I had seen it. And I was sort of like, eh, about it. But like Jeremy gave me Day of the Dead, which I'd never seen. And I fucking loved it. So I I feel like I need to rewatch Dawn of the Dead because I know everyone like yeah. raves about it. If you like the day of the, if you like Day of the Dead for sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Dawn of the Dead is just so good. It always shocks it's me really... that you were, you're so unfamiliar with it. Yeah, I know, oh, I know. It's, yeah. it's such a good movie. Yeah, it's really great. Yeah, I saw and, it in um, like college for the first time, and it like, or maybe high school, somewhere in there, in my early teens, you know, or late teens, and it just like blew my mind the first time. It's one of those movies that just jolts you the first time you see it. It really, it really is special. It's an amazing film. And the the amount of work that went in, passion that went into that too with the effects. And I mean, yeah, um, Tom Savini, right? Yeah, Tom Savini. Yeah, yeah. so good. Yeah. And, you know, um, we know the, uh, we know a woman 
in Metro Detroit, we know the, the naked woman that walks through the parking oh. lot. Whoa. I can't remember her name, but she's she's an actress in Metro Detroit. Wow. Really? Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I can't remember her name. I wish I could remember who what her name was. But yeah, she is. She lives in Metro Detroit and uh, she's done stuff at probably all of our theaters. Yeah. Very cool. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, I that, wish I could remember that transformation, American Werewolf in London. That's really, I remember the beginning with the hot guys walking with their backpacks and they're yeah. like puffer jackets or whatever. They're not puffer jackets, but their jackets they kind are kind of are. I they're think, kind yeah, of yeah, no, they're wearing puffer jackets. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. in my the mind 70s, what I think 80s of. version of it. Yeah. And then I think of the guy and his, like the, the couple of jump scares like that happened in the hospital. And then I think of the transformation. That's like all I remember of that movie or just those. I mean, the things. transformation scene is astoundingly good for practical mm-hmm. effects. Astounding. Yeah. yeah. That's one of those early, like I, I seemed the context I remember is I think like, I was at my aunt and uncle's house or something like that. My uncle was watching it and then I yeah. got to catch part of it. And that was one of those early traumatic childhood memories of seeing yes. the transformation scene and being yes. like, uh, werewolves. I don't think I like them so much anymore. This is, <laughs> I mean, I'm still kind of torn because the, also the three, the three movies don't include the thing and the shining, but both of which are just so also so good to me as well yes yeah 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 it's but so man, hard to limit so it to hard just to choose three. Yeah, I, I know it is. i didn't tell you in advance it was gonna be three but i mean three really makes you have to like sophie's choice your movies you really have to and you know mm-hmm. ask me on a different day and it <laughs> would, might be a little different too so who knows you know and didn't um an american werewolf in london win an oscar uh for effects i think or didn't makeup it? or something yeah did it, it did makeup? i think it, yeah. it was nominated i feel like it should i don't know if it won yeah. but i think it was nominated you know, Jeremy, you were talking about like seeing that on your like uncle watching it. Yeah. And that to me is, I think, one of the things about horror that really got me and really sucked me in, like watching Mausoleum as a kid mm-hmm. and feeling so out of control and yeah. so terrified and not knowing what's real and what's not and whatever and having all these questions about it. And then I, I mean, and also just to throw this in there, that that was not the end of the journey for me of being terrified of films as a kid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I actually I was <laughs> this is a little bit embarrassing, but I was about 15 years old. My mom's like, well, what do you want to do for your birthday? <laughs> and I'm like, I want to see Pet Cemetery," And she's like, OK, well, let's go see Pet Cemetery. It's odd for you. You kind of are scared of scary movies, but OK, let's go see it. So we go to the theater. We sit down there. And I started having a panic attack at 15 years old watching the beginning of the movie. And Uh it's the scene after that stupid kid runs into the street and the truck runs him over. You see the bouncing bloody Uh shoe. uh And I was just like, my brain was filling in what was to come. And I made my mom leave the movie theater at 15 (laughs) years old because I was too terrified. But I have to say that I think that part of the obsession that I have with horror, part of the love that I have for horror is because of how much power it had over me and Mm -hmm. because of how much it affected me and made me react to things that I really like got to got to the point where I was just devouring horror films. And when I finally was like 18, 19 and I was like, you know, not, it didn't really affect me the same way anymore. It was like, man, I was just watching everything that I could uh, and just loving it because I feel like that's a part of it is like that, that control that it had over me was so uh, overwhelming and like to be able to understand that and to be able to uh, break down that fear and that horror and, you know, 
how that how that works. Yeah, I think I, a big part of that. It's re- that's really funny because I had similar experiences where I like I liked like I was really as a kid really into the classics like the Wolfman and Creature from the Black Lagoon like yes. those were good. And then as I started discovering like other things or seeing glimpses of like Nightmare on Elm Street or The Exorcist like that was too much and I was yes. so scared of those. Yeah. But by the time I was like. I think I was like 16 or 17, maybe I saw the original Texas Chainsaw and then like evil, the first evil dead, like yeah. really one after like so close to each other. They're forever linked in my mind. <laughs> yeah. But when I saw both of them, I was like, these are the greatest movies ever made. Like something clicked. And then I was yeah, just obsessed. I mean, it's incredible, you know? Yeah. yeah, it really, it really is incredible. Yeah. It, it's so strange. I remember being, and this is maybe getting off topic, but <laughs> I remember being a kid. And one of the characters that would come up when we'd play with like Lego or whatever is Jason from Friday the 13th. And I'd never seen that film. I mm-hmm. didn't see it until I was like in my later teens. <laughs> but it was like, that's how much those things really affected us as kids. And, and oh, yeah. around. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. So, um, what early in because we were talking about how you know we started we were going a little bit then we jumped onto planet planet ants podcast network Mm -hmm. uh and so i kind of consider it like our secret episode or like our last episode is we did a takeover a strange uh, cinema saturdays like and we had only done like how many episodes had we done at that point like very few i think yeah had we even done 20 maybe Maybe it was very early in, but I, I consider that like that's like our secret episode. Like, does anyone remember <laughs> that strange cinema Saturday where we got to show Big Meat Eater and Robot oh, yeah. Monster, two of my favorite so they bad they're good. That was you great. say we, but well, I want all the credit to be on you. It's okay? all on me. You, <laughs> you I don't want any of that credit. BJP put me in the driver's seat of like getting the movies selected. So that's what we went with. But that's all preamble to you're the mastermind of Strange Cinema Saturday on the Planet Ant Discord. So now on hiatus uh, from now on hiatus, you know, (laughs) but if you could talk about that a little bit, that was like such a cool thing you were doing during the pandemic, especially. Yeah, we did this like, you know, for I think it was like almost three years total that maybe we did that Mm -hmm. and uh, showing a different cult film every week every saturday and uh we would have you know open mics so anybody could talk and chime in and talk about the films as they were happening um i feel like you know there was a lot of at first there was kind of like some some discussion of like uh you know i entitled the thing strange cinema because i didn't want it to be limited to just one type of thing Mm -hmm. and the rule was anything that's weird but I think that some people had a little bit of conflation with weird equals bad, which I definitely do not agree with. You know, mm-hmm. I love weird movies does not necessarily mean they're they're bad, uh, such as Holy Mountain, for example. Yes. I mean, what a what a strange, strange film. And, you know, to watch that thing, you're going to be left with a lot of questions. <laughs> you're going to mm-hmm. be like, what did I just watch? Uh, but I love that sort of thing as well. Um, you know, things that are so bizarre that they're open opaque in their uh, in their true meaning or or understanding you know I, I i love uh that sort of thing and i think a lot of good discussions came out of that a lot of good uh connections i mean there's a couple friends that i made through that that uh i'm still hang out with uh online to this day so you know oh, it was cool you would have i don't know if it was always like this but you'd have like a theme sometimes yeah. like this yeah, week yeah. we're gonna do food and yeah. then people within like you'd have different 
channels of the channel or i don't know how that works out there'd yeah. be like strange cinema trailer like there were different breakdowns of different mm -hmm. channels you could go to right yeah. and there was one for like trailers so like you would people would suggest a movie to you and yeah. you would put the trailer for the movie and then people would vote with like emojis or whatever yep. Yep. and like you would take like the top rated one and sometimes we'd watch two yep or i say we it was i, I went like maybe two or three times you would do it like Still. every week but <laughs> yeah but and yeah, i was that on was there such a lot cool more than process. bjp so <laughs> yeah you cool process. oh, oh i said i was cool. on there i was on there a lot more than bjp too oh, yeah. so i saw more than you're a few really of those strange. yeah because i'm very into strange <laughs> cinema so <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was a fun process having people vote and stuff. And I, you know, I'm kind of thinking about maybe doing something like that again now that the black box is open on a late night Saturdays Ooh. or something. Maybe doing it live. I don't know. Oh yeah, because yeah, I was gonna say too. At some point, I remember during the pandemic, I was like, "Oh, this Discord is a great idea," and I had pitched an idea of doing like a horror host kind of thing. Um, and then it just, you know, life happens and it falls away. But I'm still my wife and I, she keeps pushing me to be like, you should do something like a live event around their discord. So, so the Sasquatch fun. Slim Show could be a thing that oh, uh, I'm still working on. So that would <laughs> be Mike, fun. we had this really great idea that I want to throw your way just so it's in your in your mind. Yeah. Um, you know, there's like a million children of the corn movies and they're probably <laughs> yes. all terrible. So we had this idea of like a festival that would be called Children of the Corn cornhole festival <laughs> and we'd play cornhole by watching some of the worst children of the corn films and yes. maybe also eating corn on the cob um That's or great. corn nuts we would, it would be a corn, corn obviously get a cornucopia in there sure. so, cornucopia of corn nuts <laughs> yeah. so so now that we have you essentially we're putting you on the spot like yep. planet are, are we are we down for the this? cornhole all right children, what, Let's pick a corn. day. Uh, we can do this not on the podcast, but yeah, let's pick a day. I'll just set you guys up. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah, it'd be. And hopefully people listening to come on, guys, like write in, you know, do you want to hear about this? Maybe we could film it or f do some videos while we're Absolutely. there and put it out there for everybody. Absolutely. But children, cornhole tournament while we watch. As many children of the corn movies as we yeah, can. I say we go to one of those like what rankings of the children of the corn movies and whichever is ranked like 12, 13, 14, however many the there worst are. The worst those. of them are the ones. How we many watch. are there now? I think there's like 10. I'm going to look it up right now. You guys keep talking. Is yeah, that I the think... longest horror series then, maybe? I don't think so. It's <laughs> a lot. Still, no, I don't think it is. Oh, just Friday yet. the 13th. Yeah, Friday the 13th and Halloween, Halloween. are yeah. both way up there. Yeah. Halloween's 13 movies, I think. Uh, 11. There's 11 of them, including the newest remake. Okay, so getting up there. Yeah. And wow. I was like, clearly there's fans because they wouldn't keep making it if somebody was not consuming these. So <laughs> I mean, it just might be very easy to just, I don't know, you yeah. know, find a farm and just get some kids and, you yeah. know. <laughs> and Naomi Watts is in one. Um, what's oh. her name? Uh, um, young adult Charlize Theron's in one of them. Mm -hmm. Like there's God. some big names in there. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, in theory, I love the Children of the Corn films. I mean, in theory, in I, theory. They're, they're cult films with scary kids and there's yeah. corn and it's got a creepy Midwestern vibe. But man, the execution is lacking. <laughs> exactly. That's I think that's what we talked about. Like, I'm only really familiar with the first one, which is like, you know, a cult classic. So give it some respect. But yep. all the rest, I'm like, I think I've seen maybe collectively like. 15 minutes of like yeah. a bunch of other that's about <laughs> the same for me yeah, yeah. of the rest of them so 
But to make 11, people have to, we've talked about this, people have to still be watching them, even if yeah, they're absolutely. just like streaming them yeah. and like they're somehow they're watching them and therefore they keep making them. Yeah. Tubi, freebie, freebie. Oh God. Yeah. Do you watch Tubi, things on Tubi or freebie? How could I not watch things on freebie. Tubi? <laughs> See, I can't, I cannot deal with the commercials. I think I've had, I watched something on there once because it was literally the only place I could find whatever we were watching. I mean, and I am so spoiled to not, watch commercials nowadays oh. i do actively avoid them you know as much as mm-hmm. i can possibly i'll just you know i'll go the pirate route and do my little plex oh, server you know? i do sure. feel like though being a child of like you know 90s television though i'm like well i'm still programmed to be like that's my moment to get up and go to the kitchen or whatever like, <laughs> yeah, and then I'll come that's back good sit that's down, good yeah. <laughs> no i'm absolutely spoiled well if i i love the idea of doing some sort of live strange cinema saturdays i think that you know especially if yeah. it's so into planet ant like all i remember all the parties i've been to there and that and like the old space like there's just such a vibe for hanging out and doing cool oh, weird yeah. things there so absolutely but i don't think i ever ever watched a movie in that space were there ever like little film oh, festivals yeah. and things yeah we actually did have uh i think we had two film festivals okay 2005 2006 something like that okay uh so we had like a whole bunch of submissions and you know people that, that got submitted from all over the country and we had screenings of things um cool yeah shorts full length stuff uh it's a lot of work to run those things too so yeah. you know we saw uh dr caligari there that was at the hall yeah for sure the hall yeah yeah i was thinking of like the old space but but yes i know the hall was showing movies for a while with like live musicians like that's how we saw caligari uh, right done a few things like that yeah yeah that was very cool yeah there's nosferatu uh we did too yeah i think we missed that one but we saw Caligari, and I feel, did we see another one, Jeremy, or was it just that? I think it was just Caligari. Was just I think we, we were trying to make another movie, but I don't think it worked mm-hmm. out. Yeah, but that was really cool. Yeah, you guys do lots of amazing things. We'll oh, get there to more is of that the uh, tapes-only show now, too, which runs oh, once a month whoa. on Wednesdays, and it's all VHS films with a panel. Uh, that's a lot of fun. Uh, cool. Mitch Socia runs that. Uh, I've okay. done that. I've done that mm-hmm. once. We watched Hamburger, the motion picture, which, wow, that movie is weird. <laughs> I don't so know it. I've heard of that title. Uh, is it I about would highly recommend it because I thought it was some sort of like sketch comedy film from the uh-huh. 80. But I think I was mixed up with like Kentucky Fried Movie and a few. Oh, other OK. Yeah. But this movie is like it's about this horny dude that decides to go to a hamburger university. And that's pretty much like it. It's an 80s like sex comedy type of thing. But lights light on the sex light on the comedy too well, wait honest. is it called just called hamburger university or they're like hamburger they're the making, motion picture is but the i mean are they the making hamburgers at the yes. how are they're making hamburgers <laughs> yes. at it's, the university it's it's a fictional hamburger university that i mean the logic of this film does not make it. It's, it's non-existent. I mean it's bizarre. There's machines that like squirt ketchup in my, I I mean why maybe we found another film to watch (laughs) (laughs) that sounds kind of horrific yeah for sure (laughs) so have you ever had a paranormal experience this is by definitely for sure my favorite question ever have you seen a ghost or anything or a ufo this is uh this is a question that i read on there and i was just like oh boy I am obsessed with this topic and, uh, you know, listen to multiple podcasts per day about this topic. Per day? Uh, 
I mean, I, sometimes it depends. <laughs> I mean, I'll just, you know, I'm, I'm list. I have, I have multiple things that I have kind of like, you know, subscribe to that. I, uh, that I get into astonishing legends, uh, lore mm-hmm. lodge, uh, 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 all kind, all kinds of different ones that I'm that I'm like into about this topic, uh, including aliens. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, boy, lately the uh, the in the uh, thing with aliens has been kind of just mind blowingly bizarre. What's been coming out, and it's kind of been uh, you know mm-hmm. really kind of earth shattering. If you think that this is uh, even one percent of it is true, but have I ever personally had an experience? I have. Uh, one time, and this is the most definitive thing that I can think of, and there's also another thing that was a little weird that happened one time, but I lived in this house uh, in Detroit on uh, Warren and uh, Commonwealth, right down in uh, Woodbridge area. And at the time, uh, I was with the uh, woman that would become uh, my ex-wife eventually, and I uh, was living with her, and uh, we had a friend over, and um, my friend uh, leaves, closes the door. And it's quiet in the house and we're both sitting there and behind us at the exact same time, we turn our heads because we both heard this woman's voice say good night. So we both look Ooh. and there's nobody, nobody standing there. Very, very weird. Uh, no one else in the house. It's not like uh, there was a way that a person's voice could get in the house. There was no radio. There was no TV. There was no computers on. It was in the nineties. Uh, very, very, very strange. And that, was actually the first time that I heard that voice, but not the last. Um, it was the same woman's voice, and I had heard this woman multiple times in this house. Another time, uh, my partner, I thought, was uh, going to bed because I was like, what the? I heard good night from the bedroom. So I stood up and I walked into the bedroom, and I'm like, you're going to bed now? Like, And you, why are the lights off? Nobody was in there. She was in the bathroom down the hall. I walked down to the bathroom. I'm like, did you just go into the bedroom and say good night? And she's like, no. Uh, Very strange. Uh, That woman's voice happened multiple times at that place. And that's not something that's happened since. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, you know, I tend to believe that reality is a little bit more malleable than we give it credit for. I tend to think that things are... uh, a lot of more unknown stuff uh, to our three-dimensional selves uh, than than we really uh, give credit to. I think that we're kind of uh, not really uh, capable of understanding what reality really is. Uh, mm-hmm. So I tend to think that we live in a space that is surrounded by weirdness uh, that has all sorts of bizarre things happen that um, that we are just not really aware of because our uh, ability to perceive and understand those things is so limited. Um, Mm -hmm. the only other thing that really, I mean, besides, uh, dreams that were precognitive, I've had that happen a few times, you know, I've had just other weird stuff that was, uh, synchronistic, um, you know, um, like different types of things like that. But one time I was reading a book, uh, laying in bed and the book was just a small paperback type thing. And the book flipped out of my hands, did a whole entire one, you know, one revolution and landed on my chest. It was as if somebody like came up behind the book and went whap, but I was all by myself, all alone in a room reading. And of course it was a horror book. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that was great. Right. Uh, but somehow uh, during that experience uh, and hearing the voice, I don't know why, but those moments didn't terrify me. Uh, mm-hmm. 
it's bizarre. I mean, those those things weren't that scary to me when they happened to me. However, have I been kept up nights thinking about stuff or thought I was hearing weird noises or thought I saw something? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think I'm the bravest when it comes to that sort of experiences anyway. But somehow uh, those experiences happening in real life, they didn't give me that weird, scared thing that um, that I would have would have thought that I had had. Yeah, so. I, as somebody that uh, also engages with the stuff in podcasts and just been obsessed with it my whole life, but yeah. it's interesting you mentioned synchronicity because I'm sure you've heard this idea too. Many researchers and people that engage with studying high strangeness and the weirdness oh, out yes. there, they say uh, the more you look into it and start to see synchronicity and coincidences, the oh, more yeah. they present themselves and become more apparent. So Absolutely. a lot of people believe that's whatever these things are, this phenomenon, this energy, whatever it is, is acknowledging that you are looking at it and knows yep. that you see yep. it. So it starts to present weirder things to you. Isn't uh, that wild? That <laughs> yes. is Ooh, a that's wild a concept. I don't like it. Uh, to think about hitch, that. The hitchhiker effect they talk about too with like things like Skinwalker Ranch where yes. people oh. go there and then things start happening that are weird to their like significant other who's a thousand miles away living at their house without any yes. problems. I or mean, the there's... idea you can take things with you, like you go to a place and yeah. if you're not careful, you bring things with you away from there that stay yeah. with you for some time. Oh, yeah. the it's... hitchhiker effect. That is eerie. Yes. Like it hitchhikes it? to another place away. Yes. Yes. Like that, it'll like... just grab onto you and just kind of like follow you around. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's I mean, eerie. who knows? Maybe that's even happening now and we don't even know it. You know? <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. No. <laughs> yeah, you're speaking Jeremy's language, talking yeah, about absolutely. <laughs> shit like that. That's good. That's this is my language that. as well. Yeah. Oh, and you should also know of another show at the Ant. Uh, currently, we have a once a month show called Somber, which is mm. a paranormal sh- live show uh, that people tell stories at and do all sorts of stuff. So that's cool. also an interesting thing that's in that paranormal realm. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's awesome. Now, I, I know you said you weren't scared when these things happened, but was, was it one of those like the hair on the back of your neck stands up or you're just like, that was weird. Not even like it's, that. It's bizarre because I think it's the latter. I think it's just more that was weird. But I mean, I was I mean, I just I think of myself as not that brave. Like I said, I mean, growing up, especially there was uh, another time where I begged my parents to take me to a haunted house. I got about like. I don't know, three minutes in and I was starting by trying to be jokey and laughing about how stupid it was. And then I got so scared that I wound up crying through the rest of it, yelling, please don't scare me. <laughs> oh, I had a similar I'm thing. Not... My my dad knew the people running the haunted house because he was a cop. And I think it was like done by the police department or whatever. Now and they scary. stopped the haunted house in the last room. I know that is. They stopped the haunted house and everyone came out, pulled off their masks to show me that they were just people I knew. And yeah. um, and I remember that. And I'm like, I, I love horror movies. I will like, I'm like, please scare me now. But at the time I screamed and cried yeah. so loud that they turn on the lights and said, uh-huh. look, it's us. I can remember almost every room in that haunted house. It's so weird. Like, uh-huh. and I must have been wild. Really, yeah. Well, that's cool. That Those are some good, sto- good, some good stories, Mike. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> now that's scary, too. All right, Jeremy, what's so, next? What, uh, what are a horror, what are horror, and this is great too, because we have all have such different tastes and, mm-hmm. you know, you're well-versed in strange cinema, but, uh, what are some horror movies that everybody seems to love that you just think are, eh, I'm tired of this and I love this vice question, versa, too. vice versa. I love this question I have. Yeah. So vice versa. And yes. So I think probably for me, the 
person that I just do not like the most is Wes Craven. Uh, mm. I just don't Hot take. Really like Wes Craven's mm-hmm. filmmaking. I think it's cheap. I think it's just there's not much love that goes into it. Uh, I really the Scream series. I just it doesn't do anything for me. I just don't like it. Uh, and I don't know what it is. Maybe it's his style. Maybe it's his take on th- on stuff or whatever. I mean, I do like the characters of um, Nightmare on Elm Street. And I think, you know, the Freddy movies are they're fun. Uh, Freddy was another character as kids that we used to like just talk about obsessively, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but Wes Craven, like The Hills Have Eyes is a movie that I've watched multiple times because it was just so ridiculous to me. Um, there's a moment in The Hills Have Eyes that I just love. And it's it's a really cheap, <laughs> cheap moment where these two characters are talking and you can tell something's supposed to happen. Uh, and they run out of lines in the script. You can tell. And the one <laughs> character says, hey. Uh, what's that stuff over there? And the other character says, oh, that's just some stuff. And then suddenly the monster busts through the wall <laughs> and takes the old man out and he's dead. And I just love that so much as a cue. If you're, if you're filming a movie, it's like, okay, uh, the light, I mean, you know, obviously these lines were not in the script, but it's just like the guy's late. They had one chance to break through the wall. They had to go for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what's that stuff? That's just some stuff over there. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, and I, I find Wes Craven a little glossy, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, he's not like a tool like um, like Ryan Murphy to me. Yes, um, yeah, I do, yeah. But I, I can I can get I can get behind that. Like, I do love a lot of Wes Craven, but I can I can see where you're coming from there. And Wes's legacy has been all over the place over the years because there was a period sure. where I feel like he was not respected the way he is now. No, so, that's true. I mean, consider The Hills Have Eyes Part 2. Oh, my. Uh, where the dog, the dog has a flashback has a flashback exactly. which is an incredible <laughs> plot device not used enough i think <laughs> yeah the dog having a flashback blew me away when i saw that movie i'm like is that that's what's happening right now oh my God. <laughs> it's amazing Do you have any others that you really love that other people are not crazy about yeah so that's a that's a tricky one uh i mean there's a lot of uh, I mean, I was just going through movies today and just writing down some of my favorites. But I mean, I feel like most of them, maybe some are not as well known. Um, the Invitation. I love mm-hmm. that movie as a cult film. If you've ever seen that, that's a Netflix. It's on Netflix. And it really mm-hmm. surprised me because I didn't learn anything about it before I saw it. So it really got me, which like I thought was really Like the new one, cool. like with the vampires? No. Um oh. Oh, I, know, the, I know what you're talking about with the, gla- with the wine. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah, the sure. lantern. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Got it. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. I love that. That was a really yeah, good one. Yeah, that was movie. a good one. Lots of um, twists and turns. And where's it Jacob's, going? Oh, yeah, exactly. I know. Yeah. Uh, Jacob's Ladder. Oh, I love that movie. That really blew me away. But I feel like that's widely praised as well. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, uh, mm-hmm. boy, um, Drag Me to Hell. That's maybe a little uh, bit underappreciated, but I love that movie. So good. Mm-hmm. I didn't um, like it when I first saw it, but I didn't have an appreciation for Raimi at the time. Oh, yeah. After mm-hmm. that is when I directed Evil Dead. And when I started oh. to get into the Evil Dead movies, and then I went back to Drag Me to Hell, and I'm like, oh, this movie fucking rocks. Yes, and then once you can get into it, yeah, those brothers writing that movie together, I mean, that's what they, they love to do that sort of thing, mm-hmm. you can tell. They really they really enjoy themselves. Yeah, that's a good flick. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, there's just a lot. Oh, oh, here's one. How about this one? This one is the one that a lot of people hate. Uh, the Frank Darbont, The Mist. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I like The Mist. Oh, I, I really like it. it. I yeah. like that you hated it. Oh yeah, but I feel I'm in the minority there. 
oh really because i yeah. feel like you're in the majority <laughs> yeah, I know, I was gonna say, most people i meet are like meh i don't want to watch that again ever yeah. and i'm like i thought it was really good i mean and, and again it's in the spoiler territory but the ending of that film is incredibly divisive i mean that's yeah. that's i think what what makes it very different as well though so a lot of films don't really have the balls to do that like mm-hmm. kind of an ending, I think. So yeah, you know? but to me, it kind of feels like, ooh, look how look how wild we're gonna be. We're gonna make it so mis. I don't know. If to me, it feels <laughs> like masturbatory in some way. <laughs> See, okay. and and it was different from the ending of the novella too, because the novella was far yes. more ambiguous. And I like right. that Darabont was like, no, we're gonna we're gonna go with a conclusion. Yeah, and it, I did to me, too. It's the conclusion that feels most natural to the story you just it feels real it feels honest i know that's that's kind of how i feel about it and yes the novella i mean do you ever listen to that 3d sound uh produced novella that they did uh the the audio book oh yeah i rented it from my library as a kid it was like in 3d or whatever (laughs) they had like one of those binaural like uh fake heads and they put microphones in the ears so they had all like 3d sound is what they claimed it was but it's fun and it's well done Mm -hmm. uh but that's uh that's like yeah the novella was the first introduction that i had to that story and then that 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 3d sound thing and then the movie which expanded on all that so it was Mm -hmm. yeah it was cool to me okay yeah Yeah. no i yeah i i feel like i know that jeremy and i are a little split on that did you try to watch a tv series by chance i've watched a bit of it but i kind of felt i've just like felt like it just wasn't mm, it wasn't doing enough for me yeah Yeah. i think it started because i like watched the first episode or something like that and then like it felt like it started strong but then i'm like "Uh, it's already a story i'm like unless you're doing some crazy world building like it's gonna be hard to stretch this out to a tv series that keeps going so yeah Okay, so we talked a lot about theater already and like your involvement with Planet Ant, but I'm curious because I love this topic and we've talked about a couple times on here. I love being scared in the theater or vice versa, trying to scare people in the theater. It's just it's hard because it's in person and so many times it's people, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. but I'm curious, have you had an experience, seen a show that was scary, been a part of a show that you think was really effective? Has that ever has that been a thing? You know, it's really uh, it's. I think that the type of horror that works best in theater is not the kind that works best in film. Mm-hmm. So I think it's an odd thing to compare because it's difficult. Uh, I mean, I think you can do a lot of the same types of things if you have a really controlled environment that really, you know, locks people into watching a thing and and it's it would have to be smaller, it would have to be a really kind of, you know, more confined. I think you'd have to have a lot of control over it. Um, I don't know that I've had a moment in a, in a watching a, a theatrical production where I felt that it was an effective use of horror in the same ways that you can do in film at all, because there's just so many things that in film you can, like, you know, shock people with visually. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think on stage, it's more of the quiet creeping kind of horror that can dawn on you after a while when you're watching characters uh, lose their minds or deal with situations that are out of their control that are horrifying. Um, uh, what was a uh, bug? Maybe that mm-hmm. was a good mm-hmm. example of a film that had some elements of horror that were that were really uh, effective, but in a different way. Um, yeah, because you're right. Because there is that control, and like you in theater, like I mean, you should be safe as the actors and everything, but you're 
in, in our situations, like at the Ringwald and like Planet Ant, like you're so close. Yeah. That like you have to be so controlled in like the fight choreography or things like that that happen that yeah. sometimes as an audience member, like you you want it to feel scary, but like you also don't want to be like, oh my God, is that actor okay up there? Where in a right. movie you can get away with it because of the camera angles and the editing and the effects, like you said. And it's a movie. It's, it's, it's like harder you're, to you're get removed. away with it in the, yeah. in the theater because you are so close and you want to be scared for people, but you also don't want to be really scared for people. <laughs> yeah, that's tricky. And I will tell you, I'll tell you a little bit of a, a inside baseball thing. I'm maybe working on a immersive theater experience for February. Oh. It's going to be kind of a Lovecraftian inspired horror thing. Uh, it's in talks right now and I'm hoping that this uh, is going to yeah. be developed because we've been trying to get some kind of immersive theater project going. Yeah. So we're thinking for a time, a time of the year where there's not much else that's competing with that sort of thing. So February and some sort of like Lovecraftian cult kind of sacrifice thing where people have to go from multiple locations and, you know, oh. that type of thing I think would be super fun. So I'm kind of thinking that, this would be a chance to actually put to test some of the ideas about really messing with people uh, yeah. and really scaring people in a, in a live uh, show, you know, until Jeremy, your cat's name. Cause he wasn't here. Oh yeah. We met your cat. cat. His name is HP love cat. <laughs> oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> Isn't that great? And I was going to say, if you develop that, I smell a crossover. We should do an episode about that. Oh, immersive theater piece. Yes. that would be amazing. Yeah. I love well, immersive let's... theater and I can't wait for that. That, I mean, that's, uh, that's going to be a thing that, you know, I, I hope it goes through, but I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about it right now. We got mm -hmm. a lot of time. So, awesome. you know, yeah, I'm excited. And you have a lot of space. Like, I mean, you guys have multiple locations yeah. I mean, the hall is huge. There's so much there, so much room. I, I, I sleep no more is like one of my favorite shows ever. And it's, I mean, of course it takes place in a giant warehouse, but yeah. like, I love it. Cause it is creepy at times. There's like a blood orgy and I just love mm -hmm. it. So I, I love them. I've wanted to do an immersive theater so badly. It's just, it is, it's a hard thing to get going and it's yeah. hard. Like you have to find the right location. And mm -hmm. I'm like, are people around here going to be into that? Like New York city is a different thing. Right. Like it's just such like a tricky, it's a tricky element. But I if know. anyone can do it, you guys can. I've never done it before, so I'm excited to give it a shot. If we Here's can get this thing going, so Here's yeah, hoping. yeah, absolutely. I'm I'd love to scare some people. I've always been wanting to do a lot of the uh, old-fashioned theater tricks that mm -hmm. uh, they used to do back in the day, like Pepper's Ghost. You know, being able to. Uh, you know, show a, a person into a cloud of smoke through a mm -hmm. mirror or whatever. You can make it look like they're a real ghost. There, yeah. I, I think there's a lot of little things like that that could be oh, really man. neat. That would be really cool. You know what? And speaking of scaring people, if you could be any <laughs> of the big, I like your wording, BJP, big daddy horror yep. daddy. icons. Big daddy. Oh, did it say baddie? I thought yeah. it said daddy. I'm a big That's daddy baddie. I like big, big daddy daddy. Big daddy baddie. Daddy I like daddy. big. I like big baddie daddy horror icons. You know, your, your leather faces, your... Michael Myers, maybe even yeah. your Draculas, you know, any of them. Who yeah. would you be? So many horror icons. I mean, you know, I think that, and I think this, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but, you know, childhood obsession with 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 Freddy from Nightmare on mm -hmm. Elm Street, I think, mm -hmm. you know, but I mean, 
do I, I don't, I don't definitely do not want to be this. <laughs> but terrible, I guess like, think of it as all way. terrible if you, people. If you're playing a video game and you get to choose one of them to be for the video game. Like that's all yeah. you're supposed to, I think of it in that way as opposed to like, I want to be like, yeah. like choose, <laughs> choose your fighter. Like that's yeah, choose your fighter. That it's burned alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. More like a choose your fighter. Thank you, Jeremy. That's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. I like Street that though. I, I, I think I would definitely go with Freddy just because of, you know, as kids, we would just always talk about him. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Scary he seemed, and quippy. He seemed and, real. Yeah. Like, I remember that, yeah. too. Like, we talked about Freddy Krueger as if he was, like, a real thing. Yeah, that's exactly. Exactly. We did. And, I mean, also just the concept of being able to never escape this thing that can go into your dreams. Yeah. And then yeah. control you is just wild, too. Yeah, I mean, I can- that's a that's one of those weird there's a few movies that I've ever seen that have given me this feeling of dread in a different way than a lot of other horror films. And weirdly that's like, you know, that is cheesy as some of those films are. It's still, the concept was so dread inducing to not feel like there's no escape and there's no hope and there's nothing you can do, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that it really was very effective in that way. So, yeah. And it's funny too, that I think about it, we had, there was Freddie and then uh, also in my childhood, it was Candyman was the other one that we talked about oh. as if Candyman was a real thing. But now looking at it as an adult, I'm like, that was the point of the movie. They were talking about the power of belief made him real. So it's exactly. like, we didn't as even kids, know what we were doing as kids. Maybe we made him real. And uh, there is a concept in uh, like in Fortean uh, or like, you know, a cult thing yeah, where like the power of belief creates a uh, tactile and real yeah. thing. Topus. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. That's what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Thought forms that yes. if you believe in it's it a- enough, it may manifest. And Ooh. maybe that is real. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, oh my God, Mike, what a good discussion. I mean, I <laughs> could talk to you forever. Yes. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. you're just like an amazingly cool person. So insightful, so smart. So, so just great all over, all over oh, the place. Thank you guys so much. So now we're at the part where you get to give us some movies to watch, or we've talked before, before we started today, that maybe something else it's a, it's a, it's dealer's choice. It doesn't matter well, whether we've seen it before wanna... or not. It's up to you. I want to throw mm-hmm. this out there because this this was also something that I found really cool, but you guys might not have or you might have seen it or whatever. But this let's throw this out as a choice is the one season television series on HBO, The Outsider, based mm. on a Stephen King uh, book. Uh, are you guys mm-hmm. familiar with that? I saw it. Yes. No, I didn't watch that. That's so funny because I watched this movie last night that had the dad from the witch who's so hot his voice is so sexy and the cop from the outsider oh okay i love him he's amazing he's a great actor yeah i like oh he's so good yeah so jeremy that's up to you do you think you have the time to watch a a whole series how long is it how many episodes eight Eight episodes i think i don't know i have to look it up did i i should have looked that up i'll look it up right now Mm -hmm. yeah double check but you're probably looking at maybe eight hours, Jeremy. Yeah, yeah. I'm up for the challenge. But you okay. are? Yeah. I've also read the book, so... That would oh, be interesting. Really? Yeah, I could rewatch it for sure. Yeah. If I start but, tonight, yeah. I should be able to do it. Okay. Awesome. Okay, yeah. I think I'll just rewatch it myself then. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I like that. All right. Awesome. Fuck yeah, we've, we've talked about doing a series before, so hey. Yeah, let's just let's, do it. Let's fucking do it. All so right. Jeremy, what do you know about it? 
what do I know about it? I what I know about it is uh, I have it. I got the book as a Christmas gift years ago and have never read it. And it's sitting on my shelf. And then the show came out and everyone raved about it. And I know it's something to do with like a man and his doppelganger, um, which, of course, is a repeated theme. I know Stephen King's done that a few times. So at least so I'm interested to see what this one's all about. Oh, uh cool i yeah. love that you know so little about it that's amazing yeah. that's great that's great i love going into things knowing very little about it yeah oh yeah that's how i am all the time now like I just i don't want to know anything yeah, i want to know exactly. the name of it i, I mean at the point even now where i feel the poster gives away too much yeah <laughs> i know i know you know i get it i had a great experience uh watching uh with my brother one night I downloaded a film that was called uh, The Descent. Had no idea what it was. Mm. Uh, threw it in, and my brother and I were watching this movie. I'm like, it's highly rated. It's supposed to be good. Um, and, you know, thought it was just a movie about uh, people getting stuck in a cave. <laughs> Boy, was I in for Yeah, a it then takes a wild turn if that's all you know about it. <laughs> yep. That's that my was hot great. take, because I'm not great. crazy about that movie, but everyone else thinks it's, like, one of the best horror films ever. So well, I, I again, might need to rewatch it at some point. Again, yeah, that was another thing. It was, like, the expectations might have thrown it off, but, you know, yeah. knowing nothing was so yeah. wonderful of an experience. Another one was The Grudge, the original Japanese grudge mm-hmm. that I knew nothing about. Out, and that really affected me as well. I've good. not seen the OG. I liked it. It's the so remake. weird. Uh, there was so much weird stuff in it that was so different to me that mm-hmm. really kind of shocked me in in different and weird subtle ways that I mm-hmm. wasn't used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm a fan of Japanese horror. I, I liked the original Ring and um, Dark Water. Uh, well, that's, yeah, that's uh, Korean, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff. Yeah, the original mm-hmm. The Grudge. I've seen that one too, and it is, I think, far more effective than the American remake. Yes, was the like, hair, just... the noise. The... Yes. Oh wow! Yeah. Uh, yeah so good so good. The, the little meowing boy yep <laughs> yeah doesn't yep. he meow like a cat no that's in a uh, scary movie i think i swear right? he does that does he do it Maybe. in the movie i, Maybe I, don't I am just mixing i can't remember up. it's hard to remember because i, I like what you're saying <laughs> yeah i know i know there's a gag in scary movie with him and then she like kicks him in the face when she sees him <laughs> well i don't remember all right well cool well let's go watch the outsider and come back and talk about it yeah fantastic awesome let's do it all right i'll be right back after i watch it don't you blame the movies movies don't create psychos movies make psychos more creative Hold on, there's like a hair right on my mic. Oh, God, we don't want to record the sound of that hair. You don't want to sound that. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about The Outsider, guys. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we are. And um, it is our first ever television show that we are rating in entirety. I know. I know. Breaking barriers here, Mike McGettigan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so The Outsider is from 2020. And the tagline is, fear has many faces. And the description Mm. on Letterboxd is, when an insidious supernatural force edges its way into a seemingly straightforward investigation into the gruesome murder of a young boy, it leads a seasoned cop and an unorthodox investigator to question everything they believe in. That's it. So (laughs) I had seen this before, and Mike, you had seen this before, correct? Mm -hmm. 
Yes. And Jeremy, it was all new to you, correct? It was all new to me. I also like started to question myself for saying yes to doing a 10 episode <laughs> mini series when I'm also like working a crazy amount of overtime at my job, but I did it. I got Yay. it in. That is awesome. I got That's all 10 episodes because this is very watchable. So yeah, it is. It is. So Jeremy, you being the first one to ever see it, give us some of your thoughts. Um episode one holy shit uh and then when it hits the directed by jason bateman i was like holy crap jason bateman like some yeah. real directorial <laughs> like i i'm a jason bateman fan i love jason bateman um i like this turn he's had in recent years mm. i'm sure he's done dramatic stuff but like i always think of him as a comedy guy like most yeah. people first mm. and foremost but he has insane dramatic chops um and yeah, the, the first, I'd say the first like two, maybe three episodes, like are just masterpiece level, I think, television of this show. Really good. Absolutely. So well so done. Good. Not that the rest of it isn't good. It does kind of like meander in places, I think, over the course of the whole thing or take some asides that you're like, okay, but what about the main story again? Right. Mm -hmm. um, but it comes back around in the ending. I'm just not sure it like the it's the atmosphere of those first few where this feels like. A, a slightly more supernatural version of the first season of true detective. Like I got really 100%. strong true detective vibes. Yeah. Yes. But, yeah, totally. But with a stronger, like paranormal vibe than, because I mean, the first season of true detective does delve into the occult, but it's more but like a, later. Yeah, really, and, right. and, it's, and it's more of a background flavor to all of it. It's never like overtly supernatural it's just there uh whereas this has you know this goes off into other territory but like man i was just in for this ride and for the atmosphere and the world they created yeah what about yeah. you mike how was your thoughts the first time you watched it and this time well uh i didn't get to watch the whole thing this time wow <laughs> i tried, wow. I, tried. Wow. <laughs> I really got swamped with some work stuff but uh, i'm still gonna finish it again but um uh, one of the things that I really love about it is how believable it feels uh, at certain points. It feels just like this could happen or has happened. Mm. Uh, and that's the kind of like folkloric horror that I really love is the ones that feel grounded and believable in a way that makes you question our current reality, you know? Uh, so there's that element of the show that I really, that really sucked me into it. Another element was, um, and this is something that I find like is more prevalent in Japanese horror or Japanese media in a lot of regard where something like psychic power uh, with uh, the, uh, what's her name? Uh, the character. Holly. The, yes. Holly. Um, with her character, like the psychic abilities that she's uh, exploring and unraveling, are kind of just a side journey in this story, but also feel something like this could happen too. This could be an authentic, real person that is dealing with this stuff. And uh, to treat that type of uh, element in the story with a with a serious regard and the uh, non-focus of like, this is crazy, psychic powers. It's more just like a kind of laid out in a very like matter of fact way. Uh, that element of the story really, I really also loved, uh, that part of that as well. So between those two things, I think really, uh, and the performances, I mean, the direction, the atmosphere, as was mentioned, um, 
And I think the overall story as well really, really just sucked me in. Yeah, it's so crazy to me that the only Emmy nomination that came out of this was Patrick Bateman, which he's great for that first episode, like for the acting in it. That was it. Like, I'm like, Cynthia Erivo is so good. That guy who plays Jack, I don't even know how you say his name, but he's amazing. And Ben Mendelsohn? Ben Mendelsohn. Ben Mendelsohn. Oh, my God. Like, talk about, like, the ultimate daddy, because he's just so sweet, and he has that, like, slight lisp, and it just endears you to him so much. It does. I know. I love his performance. I think he's just excellent in that show. Yeah, I've I've loved him as like a character actor over the years, but this show really hammered home how much I'm like, no, he's like an acting MVP right now. Like Ben Mendelsohn needs to be in more shit. Yeah. Uh, I, I also forget that he's an Australian because uh, he, he yeah, plays, yeah, he plays Americans so often and so well, like so believably, yeah. I forget that he's Australian. So when you There's hear just, him in his yeah. natural voice, you're like, oh yeah, that's right. He's not so many great America. actors coming out of the UK and Australia and just like, yeah. you know, shape shifting their way into American. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and also the other female performances. And I, it's been so long. I read the book before the show came out and I don't remember the wife characters having as much to do in the book. And I may be wrong, but I love both of them. Mayor Winningham is so good. And Julianne Nicholson, like I remember her from Allie McBeal back in the day. Mm. And that's like the only thing I've ever seen her in. And she's just so good. I love her. I just love the women in this so much. The men are great, but I love the women. Oh, there is a frustrating plot line to me, which is, you know, of course the wife, uh of uh terry maitland i can't remember mrs glory's name glory maitland where you're like just believe it please like she (laughs) goes so far along like she she wants her husband exonerated but she won't believe what's happening like right in front of her that it got very frustrating as the show continued on yes definitely that characters i mean but there you know i mean there are people that get that myopic or pedantic about about especially supernatural stuff. I mean, we're looking at it right now with the UFO hearings in Congress. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are things being discussed that are shattering to our entire concept of humanity and history. Uh, mm-hmm. Yet we're just cruising along, just doing the regular stuff. And some people are out there just kind of like acting like, well, uh, show me an alien body. Who cares otherwise? Yeah, exactly. Like, That's what I'm thinking. Like sometimes okay. it takes like, What'll change people's mind is the aliens landing, coming out and being like, fuck, yeah. fuck you guys, like dancing over around the White like, House or something. I yeah, then like, uh, maybe. But <laughs> I also have so little faith in humans sometimes. I don't even think that'll change people's minds. I know. Minds, I mean, so. it happened at the O'Hare Airport for how many hours? 13 hours. There was an unidentified object just hovering at mm-hmm. the airport, which is almost probably one of the most sensor dense places in the world that you could be i mean that's nuts the things Mm -hmm. that have happened but yet that's that's exactly what i find so captivating about the show because it kind of rides that line yes and it gives you the you know that paranormal thing that's happening it makes you feel really like you can buy into it in a way that a lot of other shows just never touch yeah and there's that really amazing line where uh eunice uh uh uh, what's, what's his name? The main cop. Now it's escape. Ben Mendelsohn's character. Ralph. Now his name's Ralph. Thank you. Ralph's partner, Eunice, when he says like, you want this to end in a 
rational way that you can tie this all up and it makes sense. I just want this to end. Uh, and I'm like, that is so amazing. And that summarizes like the viewpoints of the two, like, you know, uh, no matter how more unbelievable things or seemingly unbelievable things they discover, Ralph is for so long obsessed with like, no, no, there's a more logical explanation. Yeah, uh, and I, I really appreciated Eunice's character just being like, "Dude, sometimes weird shit happens, uh, and we have to deal with it." <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's all about his journey to believe the unbelievable. But then at the same time, I find it kind of fascinating because the title, I like the first time I just thought it was all about the the monster, the boogeyman, El, El Cuco, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. Which yeah. I love <laughs> that they dig into that Mexican folklore because yes. it does have a name like everywhere, but I like that that's sort of what they land on. And if you have the subtitles on, like I did sometimes, it always says like El Cuco when it talks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's a line towards the end that makes you sort of wonder if the outsider is Holly. Like it could be both, right? Mm, like, cause yeah, she says, right. like, it takes an outsider to know an outsider. Mm, and that's so, right. And like the second season never happened of this. It like it was going to, they announced it and then they God. said, no, but we're shopping it around. And like a hundred percent, even if Ralph was out of the equation, like you have to have Holly there, like Holly, yeah. like she's so fucking good. And it would have been so cool to see what, where it went, like with her character and hopefully Ralph, because they come yeah. a long way together and, and they grow so much together. Rather Ralph grows a lot with her, but yes, but God, their relationship is so cool. I just love that's, it. So yeah. Much. That's another really great thing is like the relationships are so important in this show and it's not focusing entirely on the big bad or like the, you know, like I think that we get a lot of that style of storytelling with horror um, in general. Like, I mean, you could even say Stranger Things. It's like it's more about the big bad and the scariness rather than the relationships, uh, which is OK. I mean, I enjoy that sort of thing, too. But I feel like, you know, this is kind of a more serious storytelling uh, thing because it really delves into a lot of the nuts and bolts of the relationships. Yeah. And there, there's a few like moments and things in this that like really hit me hard. And afterwards I was like, I really liked appreciated what they did there. One is when Ralph meets Holly for the first time uh, and is sort of like incredulous towards her. And she's like, look, this is just the way I am and like lays it all out. But at the end of that conversation, she talks about like her parents, like putting her through all kinds of hell, like testing her and being afraid of her. And he says like, I can't believe your parents would do that to you. Uh, And you can see that, like, they suddenly recognize each other's humanity. She's not expecting that to come from him. She's thinking he's just going to be another asshole. But he he gives her sympathy. And you can tell she's not used to ever receiving sympathy from other people. So, like, that's a powerful connection when it happens. That's a great point. I love that. And then later, uh, when they're in the car together towards the end of the show, and he tells that anecdote that he thinks is, like, very profound uh, about the song <laughs> appearing at different times. And he's like, yep. you know, what does that mean? And she just kind of shoots him down, but they start laughing together about it. And it's like, okay, these characters have come a long way together. Yeah, you know, Ralph's finally coming over to her and understanding that we live in a chaotic universe. And sometimes there is no rational explanation to things, uh, you know, and she's just learning to have a friend. So it's just a yeah. really cool moment right there. And on that note, did I? This is something I did not watch the first time, but I read something that I was like, "Oh, there's a post-credit scene." Yes, at the last oh. episode. Yes, there it is. harkens back to <laughs> the Washington Square it. conversation, which I probably wouldn't have known, except I have my subtitles on. 
because yes, I don't know that song. I, but yeah. that song comes up again in a post-credit scene. It's like a mid-credit scene, rather. There's yeah, like, I say mid-credits. Like you think yep. it's over. I'm sure I turned it off the first time. And then there's this whole thing sort of like, what's going to happen with Holly? And she has like a scratch on her arm. And it's 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 a beautiful scene. It's beautiful. Yes, and I totally very well done. the first time. Because it just sort of leaves the door open just enough. Just enough. Yeah. I don't think I watched that the first time either. (laughs) Yeah, and I don't, I mean, this is all slight spoilery, but like talking about it vague enough, it it doesn't really matter. But that shootout is so fucking good at the end, too. It really is. So good. So brutal. It's so tragic. It's done, you know, amazingly. That's one thing about Stephen King's kind of plotting that is so good is getting you to care about a character and then murdering the fuck out of that person. (laughs) Oh my God. The worst possible way. And it it is that sense of tragedy that you feel with his stories is what makes it so fucking good, I think. And they really, you know, that is an element of this that I don't know, you know, comparing the the book and the and the television show, if that is a thing that's like kind of the same. But I mean, you know, usually in Stephen King's work, it is like that. Yes. And speaking of that shootout scene too, that hit me in like exactly the same way as you know the notorious episode of breaking bad uh uh, uh, uh is the name of the episode i mean fans know what happened in that episode yeah. it's a similar sort of shootout that just leaves you hollow and you lose important characters in it like yeah it was similar i had the same sort of reaction where i'm like uh, oh god yeah it's so real so visceral yeah and crazy to it watch hurts. yeah it hurts yeah. to watch mm. it yeah. One of the other things I fucking love about this show, except for one time, but aside from this one time, it just weaves in different points in a timeline together. Like mm-hmm. it will be showing something in the future or the past and just sort of weaving it in with like the now. And then there's just this one fucking episode where something happens and then, then it's like 24 hours earlier, which is a thing I hate, a device I hate so much. I'm always <laughs> yeah. like, be more clever with your storytelling. I know I say it time and time again on this show, but for the most part, that, that only happens one time in this whole show. But there are so many instances in this show where they are flipping around in time like a lot and it but not holding your hand but not holding your hand that it just drives me crazy that the one time and it's i mean it's important as 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 any of the other other times that it happens but it fucking like it made me so mad when that happened i'm like (laughs) i just wrote a note about how much i love the the time weaving here (laughs) and then you go and do that that is a thing that sometimes you know shows really drop the ball on that time weaving type of presentation where you can't follow what's happening with characters. And I would say that, uh, I would say that like some popular shows are really bad at it even until you kind of like watch them enough that you get really used to them. I, I maybe even like game of Thrones in the beginning was not great with, with getting you to yes. really understand where, who these characters are. I was lost so often in the beginning, uh, of that, but you know, when it's done right and things are presented in this way, uh, I think it really, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to hold the audience's hand. Uh, you know, you just make them care about what's happening and recognize the characters and leave them thinking about the characters to see what happens next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And speaking of characters, one thing I like that they did was El Cuco himself, itself, whatever, you yeah. know, it is. Um, you know, I like monsters, big monster guy. But what I like they did here is like you, you freaking hate that monster by the end. It does such horrible things. Yeah, you know, you have no sympathy, you you know, there's no hope. You're like, oh, it's kind of cool. I hope they don't kill. You know, it's like, right. 
you just hate him and you want it to get its comeuppance because it's done such horrible things throughout and it's unrepentant. It's just pure evil. Yeah. Um, and that's always, you know, you walk that line because especially with like modern horror, so many of us are like, Michael Myers is evil, but I love him. I want him to keep coming back. Yeah, whereas, right. you know, <laughs> right. so, yeah. something like El Cuco, you're like, no, this is like, get rid of this thing. Wipe it out. I hate this right. thing. This is like a stain on humanity. This is like, yeah. A, yeah, you just cannot have this thing living if you want to have human beings alive, too. Yes. Have yeah. you seen Possessor, Mike? Yes. Yeah, it's, I like it's that. It's like that face. Mm-hmm. It's like the face from mm-hmm. the poster is like yep. the face they draw and the face that you see when he's wearing, when it's wearing like the hoodie. Yeah. And I love that. And there's yeah. this really, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that too, speaking of the face, because I've talked about this before, like Uncanny Valley really gets me. So yeah. like when something is human or vaguely human, it's supposed to be human, but slightly off. I always find that super unnerving. You so. know, yeah, that is a, th- oh, I'm sorry. Were you going to say something, Brandy? No, go for it. Go for it. Well, th- there's a thing that I read recently that was, uh, that may have been an evolutionary thing that happened to human beings in general because our evolutionary history at a time that a certain point in history, we were surrounded by other hominids. So there was mm. other things that looked like humans, but were a little fucking off <laughs> a little freaky. So yeah. like, those are things that were walking around for thousands and thousands of years along with us as we evolved. Yeah. Uh, one of the, one of the anecdotes I heard is that the native Americans, the reason they did this and said how, or whatever is a greeting was to show the other person that they had five fingers. Oh. Isn't that weird? That's, that's <laughs> fascinating too. Cause you, we, you know, again, speaking of evolutionary history, you often forget that humans, homo sapiens for long periods of time, we coexisted with literally other humans. So yes. ne- Neanderthals were a different species of human. Yep. They were also on the planet for a long time or Homo erectus. The, you mm-hmm. know, there were several at the same time. We killed all the Minnesota others. Beans. And yep. Mm-hmm. Rose to the top of the food chain, but that's or, uh, or maybe they're still out there. They might be out there and that could be <laughs> there what are Bigfoot people that is. talk about Bigfoot being a relic hominid. So yeah. You know. mm. No homo erectus, you know what I mean? <laughs> no homo erectus, okay? <laughs> that's what other Neanderthals would say to other Neanderthals. Yep, they no, just want to make sure. That's why they put their cool. hand up. No homo erectus. <laughs> but I, no do homo lo- erectus. I do love that um, that you get the impression, like, at the end, like, that maybe this thing doesn't even know. It's not like that. there's this long line that they all know that he, it's like, oh, there's, like, 50 more of me out there. It's like, I don't know if there's other ones. It's what it yeah. says. But it feels like it's being very honest and open in, like, it the does. sort of last scene. But then also there's a weird thing in episode nine where they talk about how a little boy had been found killed. And it never – it's just spoken. It, like, it's just mentioned in, like, that detective mm-hmm. office. But you never go back. Back to it. It's in another location, so it gives you the idea that it could be something a different one, another one. Yeah, yeah. And I love how it also ties in that the murders of the little kids and like the family grief, both like in the past and after the fact, like how that all ties together. Just all those things, death and grief, and how it can just all tear you apart. Like it's just, and there's a lot of very real, very honest and emotional shit that people are dealing with in the show too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The uh, the cave system too, at the end, that whole thing with the cave, very creepy. Uh, I don't know if either of you guys have ever been to mammoth caves in Kentucky. Mm -mm. No, my God, I went not, I went after I saw this show, 
But I thought about the show again, uh, doing that because you go into these caves. I mean, these are caves that are, I mean, it's the longest cave system in the world. You go underground to a certain extent, the temperature stays a constant 60 degrees. It's like perfect for just, you know, temperature wise. It doesn't matter if it's like ice up there or 150 degrees or whatever. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Uh, The caves stay this very dank, cool climate. There's rivers running through there. Um, There's there's a ton of um, stuff that people have discussed about it being an inspiration for H.P. Lovecraft because Mm. of his uh, connection to this thing and visiting these caves back in the old days before there was even electric lights. And they would go down there with torches and go into these things. And there's reports of people that like the lights going out for something like 20 minutes and people just losing their minds, being completely overcome by uh, fear and insanity and people just completely, you know, like scratching walls till their fingers are bleeding, trying to figure out a way to get out of this thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just a wild thing to think about how much of that is under us everywhere in this world. Um you know, so that underground world of things that might exist or might not exist. Also, just love that atmosphere of the show. It's so creepy. Now, going back to our first half, Mike, yeah. we, we're talking about the paranormal. Have you seen the show Hellier? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and season one and two. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and the caves like in this, I'm immediately thinking about Brandy Joe. There's a whole, there's a famous case in Kentucky called the Hopkinsville Hobgoblins, where a yep. family claimed to have been attacked by a bunch of goblins that descended upon their house in the cover of night. Um, and stories continue to this day. There's this great yeah. show, Hellier, where these investigators end up in Kentucky looking into a case and they go to the cave system. And there are many people that believe there's something in there, some sort of creatures yeah. being something we don't know that lives down there just on what's the title hell year like two words like a year it's, that's full of hell no it's actually h-e-l-l-i-e-r hell year it's a place in oh. kentucky hell year oh. is the name of the town so those guys have some very interesting things that they find but it also is very it's a little challenging i think in some ways where i'm like yes. okay that's a little off guys let's let's reel it back in but it's very fun overall to watch uh yeah. I, I i definitely enjoyed that very dark very strange yeah and that's a real that's a documentary too it's not like Mm -hmm. a you know not a narrative yep what i really love here is holly i mean i've said it already i love holly i fucking love holly i think she's the best well it's hard i want to say she's the best part about the show but ralph is so good and then you're like oh but that is my vote they're all so good those two are like but i mean in addition to that there's there's multiple other characters that i feel like are so good but those two yeah you nailed it they're they're so excellent together too and yeah. she's in multiple other books like i after i read this i read mr yeah. mercedes and she's a character in that and there is a movie of or a mini series of that as well but the holly in it and I, this is why I love Cynthia Revo's performance so much. The Holly in that just feels sort of like autistic, which is like totally f- a fine choice given she is a very unique individual and in the things mm-hmm. she says and the way she acts. But I feel Cynthia Revo just fleshes her out to not just be, I don't know, this like mousy weird type like she's very strong yeah. like she feels yeah. very strong and very. very much like here's who i am and just she has so many good lines like i love she says like why do people have to tell jokes and i just love i love that i love she's just very no nonsense mm-hmm. and there's also this really bizarre moment that 
I had to watch like a vi- or I was watching a video about it and they sort of described what they thought it meant. But like she talks about her how her um how she'll know things that she doesn't even know, right? And 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 how good like her she can say how tall something is. Things that you could just be like that that could be a certain type of person that can look at something and know the height of it. But then she's like I don't know my height. So like how does that work? But at the very end, after a pivotal moment, Ralph says something, and this is the last episode, he says something about Terry. And she says, who's Terry? And mm-hmm. it's like, that's the whole reason you were brought in here was for Terry Maitland. So, like, is it that, like, her mind is just, like, I mean, she knows so many things, but she's already forgotten the whole reason she was brought onto the case in the first place? Yeah. Like, it's such a bizarre line. That's my assumption was just that she's so... N- extremely hyper-focused on certain things that like once she came in like he he was just incidental she uncovered something else and she was more interested in tracking that than exonerating terry maitland you know she was more focused on finding what's actually going on what is this train this stream of connected uh crimes i'm finding yeah she's she should have been nominated like she does some of the best acting in here really for sure i mean uh, I really felt that this show just flew under the radar for so many folks. And I really am confused as to why it did not hit more people's radar. I really yeah, love this thing. So well done. Um, I loved the lawyer, uh, Howard. Uh, mm-hmm. He was a great character. Speaking of supporting oh, yeah. characters and Bill Alec, yep. mm-hmm. Alec, the, uh, the PI, like he was, he yep. has some amazing moments when he tells the story about being lost in the woods as a kid. And he heard a voice call his name. Oh. Yeah, uh, and I'm like, great. that is such a creepy and like visceral like moment when he delivers then, that story. You know, that's the other thing that like that that right there that that specific mention makes me think of, and you probably are aware of uh, the missing four one one stuff yes, out yes, there. Yes, and yes. that's exactly no, tell what, me what all, do you mean? There's a guy. His name is David Politis, and he's an ex police mm-hmm. officer. Uh, years ago, he got fascinated with Bigfoot and kind of got into that whole thing and then wanted to like look into missing people's cases in national parks in America. Mm. And so he started really digging into stuff. He feels like there's been this big pushback from uh, national parks as far as missing people cases go, where they don't want to share the information with him or create a big stink about how the national parks are full of missing people that are unaccounted for. Tons of missing people, unsolved cases. Like just a litany of them. So he started collecting these cases and putting them into a uh, several books that he's been working on over the years. And in these books, it's like very, very weird strings of events that happen to people. And most of the time, these people go missing. And he has like a whole, uh, like kind of a test of like, this case has to hit these certain things in order for it to be considered a missing 411 thing. So it's like, okay, the person has to go missing. Uh, the They have to... Um, Uh, show signs of like uh, some weird uh, amount of movement or something where they're like uh, they are found way further than they're supposed to be or in a place that has been searched like seven or eight times or something like that. Like the body was moved or, or something like that. But um, that's his whole thing is like kind of distilling all of these missing persons cases into these very strange little stories that you learn about um, through the missing 411 books. He also does videos. And uh, since then, a lot of other people have taken on this concept and kind of expounded on it and expanded on it. And there are reports of people that uh, go into the woods, hearing people call their names out of the woods and Mm -hmm. 
feeling like the woods are different or changing or like odd, like the old uh, folkloric representations of the fairy realm or the fey realm or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like you could get what you could walk through some sort of portal into another universe. And like that's kind of there's implications that there's something paranormal happening. But one of the things that's interesting about the series is that he never, ever outright states this is what's happening. He's just this is what's weird and then kind of lays out the cases in that way. And those two, the the fascinating ones are the recurrence of small children yeah. that go that vanish and small children that are they're they're young enough you know they that they're barely verbal they disappear and then reappear in some crazy place where, exactly. where the search party finds them but they are so small they can't account to the adults what happens but what they do get is usually things like a big man came out of nowhere and took me to this place and then he brought yep. me you know and strange sounds like bigfoot reports perhaps but it, very strange details that you're like should we discount these kids there's even like about really monsters even weirder ones like some some little kid said that the reason he was able to stay alive is because a robot grandmother took care of him in a cave like mm-hmm. what yes where does this come from you know what i mean it's very strange yeah and there's it, yeah that's the, the I used to watch the electric grandmother. That was a movie I watched as yep. a kid. Yeah. <laughs> she had yep. like a key that you put in her back. I don't, it's like, yep. that's so weird. You said Ray that. Bradbury, just, I think. Yeah, wrote yeah that, right? I think you're right. Yeah. The electric <laughs> grandmother. Oh my God. But speaking of all that too, it, 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 with the outsider itself, I think that's kind of amazing to look at the show as a thought experiment. Yeah. Uh, Cause that's what I kept doing myself where I'm like, I wonder how many unsolved cases are out there. What if something paranormal did happen or something extraordinary? And that is why we're at a standstill. That's why we can't figure out where this person went, then why there's no clues. Paranormal is only undiscovered science, really. You know, so it's not like it's, you know, it's just like I'm, you know, fish that can change their their skin color or, you know, um, things that are good at morphing into their surroundings or. I mean, there's countless examples in uh, evolution that of creatures that are able to do things like that. Like, who knows what if yeah, what if hominid was able to 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 do stuff like that? I mean, that's camouflage and and it's not to say too. Like, what if you stepped into another dimension? If that's yeah. to be, if multiverse theories are to be believed, yeah, there should or be... something stepped out of another dimension or something stepped ah! out. So. <laughs> But you're right, because, I mean, so much of what Holly's saying is she's because she almost feels like this sort of person that wouldn't believe in God for whatever reason to me. But she's mm-hmm. like, God is the reason for everything, because if I because look at me like I, I'm beyond explanation. So God is has to be the explanation for that. And I find yeah. that so fascinating because it just in my mind, if you would see her in real life, I'd be like, oh, I bet that person doesn't believe in God. But she. Yeah. Like t- totally talks about that, and it's all about um, expanding your sense of what reality might entail. I think is like what she says. Yeah. Like, and just so much of the show is Love like that. that, and it just makes me think. Like, there's so many things. Of course, there's things that I can't explain in the world, but like for me to fully believe, it's like I need something that's really beyond the explanation. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's so much other that like I can't explain, but like for whatever reason, I don't allow myself to fully believe that there may be something else. I want, I need further proof. I'm <laughs> Ralph. I'm a Ralph. And we and we so we so often too live our lives 
taking things that are beyond your explanation for granted. Like I, most people cannot tell you how a computer works or what yeah. the internet is or how an airplane stays in the air. We just accept it. And it's like, those are all amazing and should be, you know, yeah. defy the laws of nature, but it still happens. And most people can't even explain those things. So it's like, what's not to say there's other things just so beyond us. Absolutely. And I also, I find it so creepy when, because you see El Cuco eat animals and grown adults. And mm -hmm. so then it's like, well, why is there this string of like three or four examples along the way of kids? And then you get to the end and they ask him, Holly keeps, I think she has to ask a couple of times because Ralph's like, Holly, come on, we have bigger fish to fry. Yeah, he's like, like, that's not important right now. Yeah. But she's like, why children? And he, it's like, because they taste the sweetest. <laughs> yeah. So and creepy. It, and it's so, so Stephen King. Because then yeah. it, it, it's like this recurring you know, you think about it, you think about um, uh, other monsters he's come up with. It's often children they go after. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it all just fits into his like thematic territory. <laughs> yeah, it is. I feel like it going along. I'm like, maybe this could have been trimmed and it could have been eight episodes instead of 10. But I really do like, I mean, even the things that are sort of like, well, how important is this or whatever? I feel like it all adds to mm -hmm. the strong characters. And the thing we haven't talked about is the music. I fucking love the music. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it great. is so good. It's the, I'm, when I hear it, I'm like, this is like my aesthetic of like the kind of music I love in a show or a movie. Like yeah. it does some like cool, like bass droppy sort of things, but it also has like sort of a homegrown sort of feel to it. Yeah. Just the music is stunning. It is so mm -hmm. good. And I doesn't love. ever take like, you know, doesn't ever feel like you're being manipulated to feel a thing that's not already there. Yeah. You no, know, which I just, that is the worst for music <laughs> in a thing. It makes you feel like, uh, why are you this sad? It doesn't feel sad. I don't know. You know, yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And have either of you seen episode two or three of True Detective? The first season? Have you seen seasons two or three? Two or three. Oh, oh seasons. Okay. Um, I've seen season two. I didn't watch season three. Yeah, I've seen season two only, but I, um, season three is the one that's still coming. Is that coming out or is that out? I think or? it's out. Yeah, it already happened. Okay. No one yep. talked about it. Everyone no talked, talked about, about it. it season good. one. People said it was good, I think. Yeah, it people I, I, I think it was uh from what I heard, it was more of a return to the first season. And yeah. it even in fact had plot elements that made it somewhat of a sequel to the first mm -hmm. season. But um I don't know. It's hard to add up, measure up to that first season. I know. Yeah. It was just that, I remember it just left me with my jaw on the ground. But yeah, just, I you didn't know where that. it was gonna go, and then it was just like, mm -hmm. oh fuck. Yeah, <laughs> the yellow king or the king in yellow. The king yeah. in yellow, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's so good. What what is the name of it? Uh, Carcosa, I believe, was the uh, mm. the location they kept talking about. Carcosa and the king in yellow. Mm. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, this is yeah. great. I'm really glad I got to rewatch it because I really liked it the first time, but. I liked it even more this time. I don't That's remember fantastic. a lot of stuff with the books. I feel like there's just some minor differences or something with the mm. end with the shootout that happens a little differently. Like the the people. Mm -hmm. who oh, yeah, I was curious about something, but I can't remember about your comparison with the 
the book compared to the the, the show. The only thing I remember differently are the eyes were red, and I think that the kids describe them as like being like circles of red, like someone took mm. like a red crayon and like mm. circled in their eyes. And I remember that because I I looked at the cover of the book, and it's similar to the TV show graphic yeah but it's like more of like a drawing and it's like as if a kid drew what they thought the outsider sort of looked like and Uh it has like these red eyes and i remember that being the main thing that stood out to me as the main difference Mm. so but yeah i think it was a pretty faithful adaptation oh and and um the way that el cuco gets taken down in the end is just slightly different it sort of Mm. harkens back to Mr. Mercedes mm. and some like something that Holly learns in that, which is like she has like a sock or something like filled with like rocks and she like hits El Cuco like with that as opposed to how it all goes down mm. gotcha. in this. But but all pretty similar, like mm-hmm. definitely fairly faithful, definitely. But I love a good miniseries of Stephen King's works. I mean, yeah. not the old timey ones, like we've talked yeah, about, like the Tommy right. Knockers and things. <laughs> those were mm-hmm. so bad, those old ones, the 90s yeah. and 80s ones. Oh my God. And yeah. this one left me thinking too how Stephen King, for all the darkness that he puts you through, he almost always has a happy ending in his yeah. big stories uh, or some form of a happy ending. So yeah. I do kind of appreciate that, you know, slight spoilers, but the show does wrap up and it does like, give you something hopeful to go out on as opposed yeah. to like continuing darkness. And I'm like, Stephen King's always been good about that. When I think about it, like most of his books, it's true. Very often. Like, I think one of the only ones I can think of is pet cemetery. Uh, that yeah. does not have any sort of hope at the end. And <laughs> no. uh, he himself has said that he thought that's his most like grueling book to read because of that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, anything else to talk about here? No, I think Boy, that's about I it. mean, I could I could keep talking about little scenes and things that I really love in the show, but I mean, I just I mean, just go watch it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah watch it. Great. Yeah, it is fantastic. Creepy. I've cried a couple of times, like definitely emotionally will get you wrapped up into it. Yeah. My husband watched I don't remember how many episodes and it was like, okay, I'm done, which is often the case with him with things we watch. Like I'm I mean I appreciate that he gave it the old college try, but <laughs> he was just like, yeah, nope, I'm done. So I had to finish it by myself. Um but but yeah, I think that's it's real solid. Yeah, I kind of want to try and watch it again with Sarah because like she was interested in this show. Uh, from what she saw, but I was like, okay, but I have to watch this at a pace that you're not going to have time to <laughs> sit yeah. down and be there with me every moment I'm watching this. So, yeah, I was watching them. Like, I think the first couple of days I watched like four and then three of them, like it, you really can yeah. pretty much a chunk of it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it is good, but they are like a, almost a solid hour each. They're definitely yeah. up there. So it's like a lot a, of content for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a 10 hour movie, but it was awesome. Yeah. Was so good. So good. <laughs> All right. Well, Mike, out of five, what are we rating this? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna rate it uh, Samara's because uh, she's from the ring and she crawls out of a television. <laughs> okay, great. All right. <laughs> Told you I was gonna go for clever. All right. So out of five, Samara's. Hmm. Jeremy, what do you? Get? Oh my god, this is hard because I rated it one thing. I've already put it on Letterboxd. I oh, gave I it one look. thing. But after we talked about it, I'm altering it on air right now. Four and a half. Ooh. (laughs) Um, I'm going to go next so we can save you for last, Mike. I'm going to give it four Samaras. 
Nice. And I will give it five out of five. <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, Excellent. There we have a scare of approval. One of my favorite things of all time. Love That's it. That's a big scare of approval. One of your favorite things of all time? I think so. As far as like oh horror God. stuff goes, it's it's on the oh. list for me. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's fun. A four, four and a half, and a five. A good progression. Yeah. yeah. We love yeah. a good progression. Well, Mike, how? thank you for being on here. It was fantastic. Thank you for having have me. You. This is such a blast and so cool to talk about this stuff. I mean, I just oh, love, fuck yeah. you know, I love the whole genre. I love even like, you know, like we were talking about the whole uh, extra real life paranormal stuff. I'm just obsessed with it as well. So, I know. You know I love you, that. You're, you're making me now dream of doing my like offshoot podcast that's just about paranormal and real <laughs> yeah. life weird stuff. So, <laughs> And Mike, how can people find you? Um, uh, not like your address, but like, yeah, where do you live? (laughs) Uh, I'm often doing things, uh, with planet ant theater, uh, in Hamtramck, Michigan. Um, you can find me. I'm not really on socials as much as I used to be because it's just got to be too much work. It felt like, uh, so, I mean, you know, uh, give me an email. <laughs> Mike at planetant.com. There that, you go. That's easy. You want to connect. Do, do you, you anything- perform every Monday? Yeah. Uh, I'm not performing up? Mondays currently because I'm kind of focusing on a lot of, uh, you know, administrative work that needs to be done for the ant. So I've been doing a lot of that. But I did just get done performing in a show um, uh, this summer called Ancient Teenage Cyber Hackers, which is kind of a Power Rangers slash Matrix ripoff kind of thing, which was really fun to do. Awesome. Um, I played the Zordon type character, uh, which, you know, is the guy in Power Rangers that's in the giant uh, blue tube who's just a giant head. Mm-hmm. So that was that was me for that. So I do several things throughout the year uh, performance wise. I do love performing. I love writing. I love the whole comedy thing um but yeah there's tons of stuff on the horizon uh at the end that i'm going to be involved in whether it's just a little bit or a, or a lot or a lot <laughs> so, of bit and as you yeah, talked about in the first in, uh, in the first half i want to see that immersive thing yeah we're happen. definitely working on that so far so we're doing i mean we're gonna we have a meeting scheduled for next week so that's definitely uh definitely on the docket so I definitely would like to, you know, make that thing really pop. I think yeah. it's gonna and be really hopefully cool. a new iteration of Strange Cinema Saturday. Yes, yeah. that's another thing that's absolutely on my mind. I've been thinking about that since I talked to you guys last time, too. Excellent. So that's a lot of fun. So, yeah, go to planetant.com or, I mean, pretty much every picture we ever have, we tag Planet Ant and Planet Ant um, yeah. Digital. I now it's escaping me. It's not Planet Ant Podcast, but there's another another tag for their digital yeah, there's a second like profile for I tag yeah. them every time. It's just one of those like natural things that I do. Yeah, we have so a, we often have a few of those. <laughs> planet Ant Digital. I was right. Yeah. Which there is actually Planet Ant Podcast, but all one word, Planet Ant Digital. So check out the yeah. other podcasts on the network. We're thrilled yeah. to be a part of it. And thanks so much again, Mike. You're the best. Thank you. You guys are the best. This was a lot of fun. Aww. All right. Well, everyone, we'll see you next week. And then I think we are going to have to have a break, Jeremy, because I'm going on a cruise. You're going on a cruise? Yeah. Cool. So I think we're going to have to have a little bit of a breather. Maybe a just break. A, a week off. Yeah, yeah. I think they can handle it. But your birthday is <laughs> coming up. So the one after that should be your birthday episode. I think it should. It's Ooh. gonna. Oh, cool. Gonna. We're saying it right here, right now. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm going to come up with something <laughs> fun to do then. All right, sweet. Well, everyone, um, keep coming back, as they say. Hail Paymon. Uh, keep watching the skies. 
Yep. <laughs> and uh, keep watching and talking about scary movies because scaring is sharing. Bye. Bye. <laughs> This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.